0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. We want to spend the hour today talking about guns, gun culture, and what it's doing to our children in the wake of Friday's mass killing at a school in Santa Fe, Texas. And of course, we want to hear from you all hour about how you are reacting to what happened and the context of Gun violence in the country, 313 1019 is always the number on the phones. But let's start with a look at something slightly off-center from that conversation. The front page of the New York Times on Sunday, just two days after the shooting, probably tells us a lot about what we need to know about where we are right now in this country. The huge story in the paper, the one with a photo sprawled across most of the columns above the fold, was the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. The follow-up stories about the shooting were there on the front page, but in significantly smaller and less prominent position. Now, think about that. Ten people were killed, eight of them teenagers, at a school in Texas just 48 hours earlier. But the most important news that day was a royal wedding in London, England. And Let's think of what else grabbed more of our attention this weekend. The Preakness Stakes in Baltimore. A few quarter-turn stories about the Mueller investigation. There are all kinds of other things that happened, and I have to admit, I didn't even spend much time this weekend thinking or even reading about what happened in Santa Fe. And I guess that's because this no longer disrupts. It no longer jars us or diverts the narrative of the conversation we're having. It no longer even causes significant pause when it happens in this country. I saw a statistic last week that recounted how many school shootings there have been in countries around the globe since the year 2000. There have been an estimated 188 here in America. We actually don't know the real number because the federal government is essentially prohibited from studying gun violence in any serious way. And around the world, there haven't been that many combined. This has become the norm. This is what we, at least on a subconscious level, expect to happen in our nation and to our children. It's frightening, and you can hear the creep of normalcy in how our children have begun to talk about these shootings when they happen. One student from Santa Fe told reporters on Friday that she was terrified during the attack. But she wasn't surprised. She said she always knew a shooting would happen eventually. The writer Malcolm Gladwell theorized a few years ago in The New Yorker that what's happening is indeed a kind of normalizing of the idea of school shootings. His focus was on the shooters themselves. He said that with each incident, the threshold for the next shooter has gotten lower. That where the shooters at, say, Columbine in the mid-1990s were deeply disturbed and ostracized, the shooters now are less and less outliers. The perpetrator on Friday in Santa Fe was reportedly just angry about a girl's rejection, something that every teen deals with at some point. So, what's next? A shooter who's angry over a single bad grade? Somebody who fails a test for a driver's license? And the question for the rest of us is how we begin to raise that threshold again. How we make the thought of doing something like this absolutely horrifying for the potential shooters. I guess I'm not precisely sure how to do that. Not sure what steps we need to take to make that happen but I know this our own progression here is part of the problem the normalization of these incidents of our reaction to these things is likely a contributor to the increasing frequency and what does that say about us what does it say about how much we really care for our children Right now, we want to catch up on what happened Friday in Santa Fe and what's happening now. And as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019 if you want to join the conversation. Davis Land is a reporter with Houston Public Media, and he has been in Santa Fe over the weekend. Davis, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi there. Tell us what has been going on in Santa Fe over the weekend and how the community there has been reacting to this.
1: Right. So in Santa Fe this weekend, uh, there was a lot of outpouring of emotion, uh, particularly at church services. And that's one thing that our reporters at Houston Public Media have been hearing a lot, uh, that, that religion is, is in a very important part of the response here. You know, after after the the Parkland, Florida shooting, there was an almost immediate call for gun control. Uh, you know, that's a little bit more of a liberal area uh, than this part of Texas, uh, which is which is definitely more rural and more conservative. Uh, Thirty miles south of Houston, uh, one of our reporters, you know, at one of these memorial services, was hearing hearing from residents here about God being taken out of schools, that the removal of prayer from schools was the reason uh, for. Or shootings like this, rather than what you heard after Parkland, which was uh, that the guns were the reason, the sheer availability of guns. Um, you know, others are saying there's a, a lack of discipline, but in general, people are, are just exhausted. They're, they're waiting for the next, next shooting like this to happen. Uh, there's a growing sense that this is, this is inevitable. Uh, like you said, that uh, we caught up with students after, after the shooting as they were evacuating, that say that it wasn't a shock. It was just uh, expected. Um, and yeah, people are scared. I I myself was in the grocery store last night and mm-hmm. just overheard uh, some people talking about potentially homeschooling their kids or moving them to private school. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, uh,
0: what, what are you hearing from students and parents in particular about this? I, I, I did have that uh, reference to a young woman who said, look, I thought all along, this this would happen, are and you you've talked about uh, people talking about maybe pulling their kids out of school. Talk about the shock, though. I guess uh, that that attends this incident among these students and parents.
1: Right, you know, people after this are confused. Um, you know, particularly in this case, there's some conflicting ideas about. Some students were saying, you know, oh yes, I expected this kind of thing from from the the suspect here. Uh, others saying that they were just talking to him the day before and had, had no idea. So there's an element of of confusion here about how this happened, about uh, why this happened. You know, we don't, uh, as of yet, know a motive. Uh, though we did hear from one student's parent that said uh, it was potentially because. Uh, that the shooter was rejected by by a young woman here, mm-hmm. um, it, but overall, there there is just a sense of confusion and a sense of again inevitability that that you know this is going to happen, and, and they're not quite sure what what to feel because this is such a trend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
0: can you put this a little in the context of the state where this happened, Texas, uh, a place that? Uh, you know, is, uh, uh, a, I think it may be fair to say, a place where guns probably have a more sacred space uh, than they do even in, in other states. Um, are, are you hearing in Texas from pro-gun uh, ad- advocates who are maybe starting to think differently? Are you hearing from uh, anti-gun activists about this? Uh, what is the debate, I guess, in the state about about this issue and how to deal with it.
1: Right. You know, uh, the, the weapons used in this shooting, a, a revolver and a shotgun, are are guns that, that many households in Texas you know, have that are common, uh, you know, that are frequently used uh, when hunting or, or out uh, on a ranch or something like that. Uh, so to see these types of weapons used in a shooting like this, I think... Uh, brings that a little closer to home for a lot of Texans. Um, You know, one thing that we did hear Governor Greg Abbott say was that um, leaders need to do more than offer prayers. Uh, And he's starting this series of roundtable talks this week on ending school shootings. Now, those roundtable talks aren't specifically about gun control. Uh, They are going to include mental health experts, community and religious leaders, as well as uh, Second Amendment advocates and gun control advocates. So mm-hmm. uh, you can tell that there is some some budging here from lawmakers that are traditionally resistant uh, to gun control. However, uh, the Guard isn't changing uh, just yet. They're, they're still exploring other options than, uh, than removing guns entirely. For instance, there's this idea of, of schools being hardened targets that, because school shootings are inevitable in this line of thought, uh, you, you have to make schools hard to attack. So that's, that's arming teachers. And actually, the, the Santa Fe School District agreed last fall uh, to eventually arm teachers and staff through the state's uh, school hmm. marshal program. Wow. Uh, the Texas Tribune reported on that recently. Uh, schools in Houston are, are beefing up security. They're adding metal detectors, additional uh, armed guards in the schools. Um, some One school banned backpacks for the rest of this year.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
0: This is Detroit Today one 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Davis Land. He's a reporter with Houston Public Media. He is reporting right now from outside of Santa Fe High School uh, in Santa Fe, Texas. He has been in Santa Fe over the weekend following the shooting on Friday that claim the lives of eight teenagers and two adults at a high school there. We are talking about guns, gun culture, and what it's doing to our children, how it is changing our perception of what childhood should be like, how it's changing our perception of schools and safety, uh, all of the things that attend this issue when you talk about teenagers, children uh, being shot and killed. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. What is running through your mind uh, today about the shooting on Friday? Uh, Are you concerned about this happening here in the state of Michigan? Are you concerned about it happening to your child in the school that they might attend? Uh, And what do you think we ought to be doing about this? What is the answer to this Incredible challenge that I think we face in American culture right now. As always, the number on the phones is three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Let's go to Lauren in Clawson. Lauren, welcome to Detroit Today.
4: Thank you, Stephen. Thanks mm-hmm. for having me.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I just have to say, um, when you were talking about how everybody was talking about the royal wedding this weekend, um, I agree that everybody just kind of skipped over what happened on Friday because it's not, I don't want to say not that big of a deal anymore, but the news isn't as shocking, which is terrifying to me mm-hmm. as a mother and also as a teacher um, I was glued to the TV on Friday and had to stop myself from going to pick up my children and just bringing them home. Hmm. Um, it makes me really think about even homeschooling, which I, I don't want to have to do, but it's terrifying to me, um, the kids that are out there. Um, and I think obviously guns are a major issue and that's something that we do not even have in our home as even toy guns, nurse guns, nothing, um, I think we also need to look at the mental health state um, of our teenagers, especially of these young boys who happen to be the shooters in almost all these um, cases, which is absolutely terrifying um, that these children are so desensitized to things mm-hmm. um, or that they think this is a way of solving a problem or to get recognition of some sort. Yeah. Um, I just... I, I have said to a couple people, especially after the Parkland shooting, I was deeply upset about that, and I remember talking to my mom about it, and she said, well, you just gotta let, don't let things like that um, bother you. Well, and how do you do I, that? <laughs> and I said, how, how does it not bother you? How does it not bother people anymore? Mm-hmm. That it's because, like you said, it's just become so routine, and that is absolutely devastating and terrifying for me that this is this is what our culture has turned into. Mm-hmm. Even when my little boys only in first grade and kindergarten come home and say, oh, we had a lockdown drill today, like it was a no big deal. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And that is something that they're going to be doing for the rest of their career. And let me, really Lauren,
0: Lauren, let me ask you a, a quick question. What kind of communication do you get from the officials in your school district about these kind of issues? I'm not – obviously – uh, this is not the kind of thing that has happened in your school district i'm assuming but but do they talk about the the things that you're getting to here this idea of trying to deal with mental health of of teenagers teenage boys in particular are they are they i guess the pro, the, the question i'm asking is you know are they proactive about this in any way
4: um not to my knowledge well but i also have boys in um you know, in early elementary, but I remember after the Parkland shooting, I actually did go and um, get my son um, a little earlier, the one I pick up first, because I was just so upset. And I asked the office staff, I said, what is, you know, the policy in our school district? What do we do about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of looked at me like, well, w- well we, have a, we have a team that um, talks about this kind of stuff. And I said, you know, do you have extra drills or does this when something like this happens, do you guys, um, you know, uh, devise a new plan or right. do you over everything? And they just kind of looked at me like, hmm. what's the big deal? Wow.
0: Right. And
4: it, it is it is terrifying to me because as a teacher, when we had to start doing lockdown drills, mm-hmm. I remember every time and I'm not an emotional person, but I don't know how somebody cannot get emotional about this. Um that I would, you know, have to plan never in a million years when I was going to school to be a teacher would I right, think right. this was something that I would have to think about. Mm.
5: Um, Lauren, Lauren the-
0: I really appreciate uh, the call and, and the comments. It's, uh, you know, I think that's reflective of a lot of the things people are thinking about right now. Um, uh, Davis Land, talk about um, what's next in Santa Fe. Are kids organizing? Are parents organizing? Uh, what's the what's the push for on this day, three days after the shooting happened?
1: You know that's an an interesting thing, right? This most recent shooting in in Parkland, Florida. Afterwards, uh, we saw almost immediately um, kids organizing uh, against or uh, for gun control measures. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the case, really here. Uh, in Santa Fe, you know, a month ago during the March from For Our Lives walkout, uh, some students from Santa Fe walked out. Uh, but we we don't see the same kind of sense of sense of political action happening here again, uh, because this is probably a bit more of a, a conservative area than than the Florida area, uh, and, and because um, so many uh, so much of the community is kind of turning to uh, religion in, in this moment mm-hmm. and, and saying. And, uh, you know, asking for prayers and, and uh, asking for religion to be brought back in school seems to be the major major mm. theme here, mm. uh, more so than asking for, for gun control measures or, or, or doing that. At the same time, uh, local officials, including Mayor Sylvester Turner in Houston or Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo, uh, are, are calling on voters uh, to, to go to the ballots and, and demand uh, gun control measures. Um, you know, Art Acevedo kind of made some incendiary comments uh, on CBS recently uh, saying that, that local and state officials, uh, you know, aren't doing anything more than offering their prayers and, and that um, local officials would have to act in, in that regard, um, that, that the state and federal uh, lawmakers weren't doing enough. Uh, so most of the push here in, in the wake of Santa Fe has come from from local officials and politicians um, rather than uh, kind of the community, which is Mm. still definitely uh, in a state of, of mourning and grief.
0: Okay, Davis Land, reporter with Houston Public Media, is in Santa Fe reporting on the shooting from last Friday. Thank you very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. Up next, we're going to continue the conversation about the normalizing of school shootings. Stay with us, and stay with us on the phones. Colleen in Shelby Township, John on the east side of Detroit, Annette in West Bloomfield. We will get to you. Also, remember, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. Also, if you want to join us on the phones, the number, as always, is 313 577 1019, that's 313 577 1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about guns, gun culture, and what it is doing to our children in the wake of yet another mass shooting at a school, which happened on Friday in Santa Fe, Texas. Think about it. How has life inside our kids' schools right here in southeast Michigan changed? amid this string of mass shootings? How are students and teachers and school administrators preparing for the worst? And what has that meant for students' ability to learn while they're in school? What has it meant for their well-being? And what has it meant for their ability to just be kids? Our next guest is a local school superintendent who has dealt with threats of violence in his district? Mark Greathead is the superintendent of the Woodhaven Brownstown Schools. Mark Greathead, welcome to Detroit Today.
6: Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yes.
0: And as always, uh, if you want to join the conversation here, 313577 1019 is the number on the phone. That's 313577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into. The conversation, uh, Mark. Let, let's start with that initial question. How have things changed in your schools uh, amid this string of school shootings across the country? Uh,
6: yeah, no, I think our, our schools are much less accessible to you know to our parents, uh, to our community members that uh, uh, you know, have have a legitimate reason for coming to our schools that want to visit our schools. We have to be uh, that much more vigilant in, in terms of securing you know, our doors and making sure that uh, our students and staff are safe there within the building.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the specific incidents, uh, incidences uh, that you've had to deal with there uh, in Woodhaven, Brownstown. Uh, it's mm-hmm. This is not purely hypothetical for you.
6: Right, right. You know, the incidents that we've had to deal with primarily revolved around uh, students that, that are saying things, they, they, they make things of a, th- they make statements of a threatening nature and we're not in a time or an era where we can just pass that off as kids being kids or kids saying stupid things. Hmm. Um, it's unfortunate because it's much easier for students to, to say stupid things and some of the things that, that they say as kids say uh, through social media Becomes much more widespread, and that's the unfortunate part of it. But we no longer have the luxury of being able to kind of pass those off as things kids say. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and, and so, is that making it difficult to balance this idea of keeping students as safe as possible with also trying to maintain a sense of normalcy in their schools? I mean, these are these are children we're talking about.
6: Absolutely, and we try to. Take everything that they do, whether it's making a comment they shouldn't be making, uh, you know whether it's in the math classroom or, or it's a choice that they make out on the playground. We try to turn every single one of those into a learning situation. Uh, and it's difficult for them to learn and for us to teach them if they're not here in school.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. But these threats, these things that like get said, they do need to be taken very seriously, and you know, one of those things that we have to do is remove them from the educational environment.
0: Uh, when when this sort of constant reminder is there of the fear or the potential for something like this to happen, do you see a change in the children themselves, in the way they relate to school, in the way they relate to school work, in the, the way they relate to school uh, dynamics and relationships? Is this something that you see taking a toll on the kids themselves?
6: Yeah, I think it definitely can take a toll. I mean, have I seen it directly? Not necessarily. Uh, yeah, I've met with our student groups you know, at our middle schools and our high schools, and I go in and I talk with our elementary students. Uh, are they concerned about it? Uh, yes. They, they, they see it quite a bit now uh, in, in the media, and as it's uh, reported each incident, uh, they, they see it. Um, do we do everything we can, and do they feel safe in their schools? They're telling us that they do. And uh, we just want to continue to make sure that they do feel safe here in our schools.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, uh, 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We will work you into the conversation. No surprise. We've got a lot of folks queued up to join this conversation. Let's go to Colleen in Shelby Township. Colleen, welcome to Detroit Today.
7: Hi, Stephen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, My comment goes to how we have normalized the situation and how we have become numb to it. And I think back to Newtown, where there were um, six-year-olds that were brutally murdered. Yes. And um, there are now 10- and 11-year-old witnesses to that crime that remember things and have seen things that we don't allow ourselves to see. We think back on that incident as being, um, you know, these six-year-olds that were assumed up into heaven with little white wings like angels. And that's not what happened. That's not the reality of the situation. And I always, when these things happen, think back to the very brave mother of Emmett Till, who was brave enough to show the world what happened to her son. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, we have to stop protecting ourselves from what this really looks like. And I work at a school, and I've told my family and my friends that if, God forbid, this should ever happen to me, get the pictures, publish the pictures, put this under people's noses, make them see what this really looks like.
0: Wow, Colleen, that's a very bold action you're suggesting there. It's something that actually is pretty close to, to, to my mind and heart. It's something that I've thought about as well over the years. Should we not? Should we not uh, try to to sort of witness or have people witness uh, what is happening in in more graphic terms than they do now? And that's a it's a very controversial uh, question to ask uh, in, in a media space, right? Uh, that whether media would be responsible for doing that, but as you point out, uh, there are examples from history where um, uh, where doing just that has helped sort of open people's eyes, I guess, to the things that are that are going on, and I I, I absolutely agree with you that that's something that we ought to be thinking about. So, Colleen, I really appreciate the call uh, and and the comments. Let's go to Annette in West Bloomfield. Annette, welcome to Detroit today.
7: Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I was wondering. Uh, you talked about people ignoring things in school what about and I know it's not related but we kind of get to the point of not paying attention to a lot of things like the three-year-old boy that was shot at his own house Mm -hmm. while he was sleeping
4: Mm -hmm.
7: we ignore it to the point that the newscast didn't come out to Children's Hospital until the day later he's got value to his life he didn't do anything wrong we ignore a lot of things, and we just say it's Detroit,
4: mm-hmm. or
7: worse, the culture or community that he comes from, and it's like, no, that's not true. He's a valued human being
0: yeah I, I I think you're absolutely right, Annette I mean it's not just mass shootings now. I mean I think there is something particular about the idea of these mass shootings in schools uh, that that shocks the conscience in a slightly different way than the violence uh, that that has become all too routine in, in places like Detroit, but you're absolutely right about uh, the relative value of life not being sort of respected in, in an equal way uh, here. I mean, a three-year-old shot in his own home is uh, equally as, or should be equally as shocking as what happened uh, in Santa Fe, Texas, and uh, again, I think it is our reaction to these things that drives uh, the cultural sort of dynamic that surrounds these things, and and there's got to be something that we can either, I don't know, do or uh, or or think of differently that would turn us in a different direction. So uh, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments there. Thanks very much, uh, Annette. Let's go to Patrick in Detroit. Patrick, welcome to
8: Detroit today. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Thanks for taking Good. my call. Sure. Um, I just want to make the comment. I'm a pediatric ICU physician here in, in Detroit. And um, so, you know, we see these um, you know, kids that come in with uh, gunshot injuries. And, mm-hmm. and one of your prior callers made the point about actually putting this in people's faces. And I, I really believe that folks really understood what this looked like. And kids in, in particular, uh, it, it's not like a, a video game. Um, one of the things we do to prepare us to to be able to deal with uh, difficult situations is simulation. And we do that a lot to help us deal with codes and surgeries and procedures. And in that context, it can be a very good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids are simulating these acts of uh, killing people and using guns and automatic weapons and really military style behavior uh, when they're at a developmental stage where they don't they're, they're not ready to, to process that and to separate the the entertainment the, the gaming the simulation from the reality of what's happening and I think when you have that milieu of this desensitization caused by things like access to these types of games and the social media isolation that some of your your, your commenters talked about mm-hmm. um, it, it just creates the perfect storm that's you know, it's, it's unique, and then you add access to guns in on top of all of that. Um, I think it just creates a uniquely dangerous situation for kids.
0: Yeah, uh, Patrick, I'm really curious about where you started uh, your call here. Uh, this idea of what this violence, gun violence, does to people's bodies, uh, which which you see, and I'm also very curious because I've heard some about this about the difference between uh, the way a bullet interacts with an adult body uh, and what it can do to a much smaller or developing one.
8: Yeah, I, I, um, when you talk about using these types of weapons in, in close range, <laughs> but the way you see it in these schools, um, it, it's devastating no matter who the victims are. Mm-hmm. and. Um, and, and I think people only have to see something like that once for it to be seared in their heads and, and understand that this is not uh, a game. You don't get a do-over. You don't get an extra life. That this is a um, this is a really serious thing, and that it, it should really shock and horrify people that this is happening in a space where kids are supposed to be safe. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick, thank you very much uh, for the call. Uh, in the comments. Um, Mark Greathead, I'm, I'm curious uh, what you make of some of the proposals that are out there to try to push back uh, against this kind of violence. Uh, our first guest was talking about, in Texas, uh, the push to arm teachers and school officials. Uh, I wonder, given that uh, you are also dealing with these, these issues, is that something that's come up
6: in your district? Uh, not not overly so in our district, uh, but also because I believe in across the state of Michigan, I think the teachers have pretty much resoundedly come out uh, against being armed and not being in that position. Much more in favor of uh, what can we do proactively uh, before we get into an an active shooter, an active uh, violent situation. You know, addressing the mental health aspect of things.
0: Hmm. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Also go to Facebook, put your comments there, or go to Twitter, and we'll work you into the conversation. Selena on Facebook says, One thing I'd like to stress is to be really careful about how you talk about the young women who rejected the shooter, how you place blame on her. A lot of the time when people talk about that, they make it sound like it's her fault for rejecting him when clearly he's someone Who would not be good today considering the extreme violence he resorted to Uh, selena i absolutely appreciate that comment and i don't think i've heard anyone today do that on our show Uh, and obviously we're keeping that in in mind that's not an excuse it's not a reason Uh, but it is uh, a different kind of reference uh, made from other uh, mass shootings where you see people talking about things Uh, and the kind of isolation that uh, these shooters um, uh, put upon themselves or or experienced, the kind of trauma they may have been through. This was uh, something much, much different. Okay, Mark Greathead, superintendent of Woodhaven Brownstown Schools. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today.
6: Well, thank you for having me. Mm -hmm.
0: Up next, we're going to talk to a couple of students from our region about how their peers feel about school shootings and what's happening in their schools. Stay with us and uh, stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about guns, gun culture, and what it's doing to our children in the wake of yet another mass shooting that took place in Santa Fe, Texas, last Friday. As always, we want to hear from you on the phones. What are you thinking in the wake of this shooting? What are you thinking this is doing to our children and our schools. 313 uh, is the number on the phones. That's 313 uh, And two students from our region, one from the suburbs, one from the city, uh, are here to help us put this in the context of how students are seeing these things. How are they being shaped by the context in which they go to school, which is the idea that on any day someone could walk in with a gun and cause Uh, murderous havoc. Uh, Imani Harris is a senior at Renaissance High School and a student activist. She's also an intern here at WDET. Imani, welcome to Detroit Today.
9: Thank you. Hi. Mm -hmm.
0: And Lily Cullen is a junior at North Farmington High School, and she is the president of the Farmington Public Schools Students Demand Action Group. They formed immediately after the Parkland shooting and became an official chapter of the national organization, Lily. Welcome to Detroit today.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Sure, uh, Imani. Let's start with you. Let's let's talk about the reaction in your school among students when things like this happen, which they happen very frequently. Uh, and and I'm very curious. What do what do your peers say about yeah. this?
9: Um, so I will never forget being in I think the seventh or eighth grade after Sandy Hook happened and students crying and just confused, not understanding. And now with every shooting, it feels like it's it's more we're sensitized to it. Mm-hmm. Desensitized, I mean. And so with every shooting, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's just another one, it's just another one. And so I think that when it started, there was a lot of surprise, um, confusion, anger, but now as we go on, it's just very normalized. And I don't really see as much outrage as I have in the past.
0: Is that right? So you feel like uh, people are just getting kind of used to this
9: yeah no one even at my school really knew about santa fe until probably today and it happened last friday uh-huh
0: uh-huh uh Uh, lily you sort of reacted to the parkland shooting uh, by Mm -hmm. by deciding to do something about it Uh, but talk about the response that you've gotten from students in your school to the idea that that you can do something to make things
2: different you know, I'll say that there was a very similar reaction in North Farmington here that, you know, after Parkland, there was this immediate fear, there was outrage, there was shock. There was, well, this could easily be us. And so my group, you know, we felt that those same things, and we said, you know, we need to stand up. We need to say something. We cannot be complacent. And so we put together um, a walkout on March fourteenth on uh, National School walkout. and, Um, you know, about 900 kids came and it was absolutely amazing to see and amazing for almost the entire student body to like experience this together. And we had speakers and the ceremony and poetry. Um, But then, you know, we kept going on April 20th. We conducted a walkout town hall on, on the anniversary of Columbine. And, you know, the numbers just kept decreasing. And I would say the same thing, you know, today it seems very few people even know about what happened on Friday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is just, you know, people are like, well, this is just another shooting. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what's happening at the moment. And it's, I think that sense of hopelessness is growing and we just can't let that happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious uh, what each of you think are some of the things that uh, school officials need to be doing to make this less likely to happen, in other words, to make schools safer, and and whether you feel like they're doing enough uh, in your schools, Imani, I'll start with you.
9: Yeah, so um, since I go to a Detroit public school, we've had metal detectors for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I really, I don't know what else officials can do to prevent it. I think that we've done a good job of having drills and having lockdown drills and everyone has to stay in their classroom and hide and turn off the lights and that kind of thing. I think that or I don't know how much school officials can really do. I don't know how much power we have. I think it's higher than us and that all we can do is kind of protect ourselves in the case that it does happen. Mm -hmm. But I don't really know how much we could do to prevent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lily, what what is going on in terms of the response from school officials, where you are, to, to
2: these shootings? Um, so our administration, um, you know, we were so fortunate that they were very supportive of what we were doing. But, you know, as we had a second walkout where kids were missing school, we had a ton of backlash from, um, you know, the school board, the superintendent, um, emails went out to parents that, you know, showed our group in a pretty negative light. And, you know, I would say that, I agree. I don't know how much um, school officials can do. I think that giving students a voice is something really, really important, and having trust with students and letting them share their opinions and opening discussion in classrooms is something that does not ever happen. Um, I think... People say, well, it's a political topic. We can't talk about it in classrooms, but where else are we supposed to talk about it? I think it's essential because everyone in this school, teachers and students are affected by it. Hmm. Um, I also think that lockdown coverage of procedures, we should be taught to run rather than be sitting ducks. And Hmm. um, because I just don't find that, you know, staying in the classrooms is the safe is the safest manner. I mean, that is how kids get killed. Huh. Uh,
0: the lockdown drills that you guys uh, describe are things that uh, I don't remember having to deal with when I went to school in uh, the 1970s and, and 1980s. I, I wonder if, uh, if you could talk just a little about how that reality sort of shapes your sense of safety, security, how it sense how it shapes your sense of school.
9: I think that it's a really terrifying experience because it kind of makes it a reality that it could be you, um because before it's kind of like, oh, well, this is happening far away, and so I want to fight for these people, but it couldn't be me. But having to sit in a classroom and be completely silent for 15 to 20 minutes, the whole 15 to 20 minutes, you're thinking about the fact that, like, one day this could happen to me. It could happen to my brother, my best friend, my nephews, my nieces. Like, this is a reality for me. And I know, like, since I'll be going to college next year, it's a bigger fear because it also happens as, happens on it happens college on campuses. campuses sure. So that was a big part in my decision making was, like, let me see how safe these schools are that I'm applying to. It's a. It plays a large role into Um, how I see the world, how I see the spaces that I'm in. And it's very um, different because I always thought my biggest problem going into high school would be like, oh, there are going to be lots of fights. But, like, no, I actually feel like I have to fight for my life sometimes. Like, I have to... Notice like everything going on around me, and I get really nervous if I see movements a weird way. I know the other day there was some message going around that there was going to be a school shooting, and I'm like, should I even go to school? And so like it's starting to mess with my education, mm-hmm. me being able to focus on school because I'm worried about if I'm going to make it.
0: Hmm. Wow, uh, Lily, uh, can you talk about how these lockdown drills have have changed or shaped the way that you think of school or safety?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. What's somewhat horrifying to me is since I've been in kindergarten, I've been doing these lockdown cover drills and, you know, for so long I just thought like this was normal. You know, we do tornado drills, we do fire drills, we do lockdown cover drills. It's just part of the procedure, but really like, this is a purely American problem. And I think that's something that, you know, we really need to recognize. I think for me, I remember when I was a kid like having nightmares about school shootings. Um, It was just, you know, it's something you grow up with. I have talked to kids who say, I come into a class and the first thing I look for is the exit. Um, How am I going to get out? Mm -hmm. I remember teachers, you know, on the first day of school saying, look, if something ever happens, we're going to run. I don't care what the procedure is. And like, is that really what we should be talking about on the first day of class? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really has just put this kind of sense of, fear into school, and though you may not be feeling it all the time, it's still always there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's take a few calls, no surprise. We still have a lot of people who want to weigh in on this issue. Nancy and Novi, welcome to Detroit Today.
5: Oh, Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm a former middle school and high school gym teacher, Mm -hmm. and most people outside of schools don't recognize just what a soft target gyms are there are sometimes 80 children in a gym. And with our gym, we had eight exterior doors in, during an active shooter, shelter in place, or lockdown drill mm-hmm. that I was responsible for locking. Getting my kids into the locker room where there's also three exterior door entries. It, 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 it was like an impossible thing.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: also, when you're talking about children and why, why is this propensity for them to act out violently, well I think uh, the doctor mentioned that their brains aren't fully formed, so when they have when they're confronted with something like rejection mm-hmm. where they haven't been taught how to handle this with life skills decision, decision making clarifying and considering their choices and then the argument about gun control and gun safety we're so many americans are willing to defend the second amendment yeah. and then they want to bring prayer into the schools but is america ready to accept all religions praying in school i hmm. think not yeah. if muslims muslims had to pray daily for ramadan there would be a, an outrage and hmm. an outcry yeah and
0: nancy nancy thanks very much for the call uh, and the comments i mean again that perspective from inside the schools, I think is really, really uh, interesting and very important uh, in this conversation. Um, let's uh, go to Paul, Paul in Oakland Township. Welcome to Detroit Today.
10: Yeah, I, I just wanted to mention, to take, thanks for taking... Thanks. thanks for taking my call. Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things. I'm an older person. Um, I remember growing up we went to high school, we took our, um our driver's training. We were forced to watch this movie called and I don't know if you might remember Mechanized Death, I think yes. was the name of it. But the process was you were you watched this movie as a teenager to teach you, you know, how much power you had in your
0: hands as a driver um, by, when, yeah.
10: when you were driving yeah. and what what damage you could do. And at that time, you know, there was still the kinds of Archie Bunker comments being made about let's arm, you know, let's arm everybody on a plane so yeah. we can stop you know, hijackers, all this, this talk. Um, but it doesn't seem to me there's any training of that nature anymore. And there isn't that training hmm. when you go to get a, a handgun or a hmm. gun permit. Wow. That's um, a
0: that's really interesting. A yeah. I mean, this idea of teaching responsibility by, by showing people the power of what they're uh, what they're doing. That's really that's really interesting, Paul. I'm glad you called uh, and injected that into the conversation. Uh, Chase on Twitter says he's getting choked up listening today. Uh, I wish we allowed ourselves to understand the violent horrors that abound in our country. If media and government didn't shield us from its rawness, perhaps we would progress. Um, uh, thank you very much for those comments, Chase. Let's take one more Call here. John, on the east side of Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Thanks a lot, Stephen. Mm -hmm. As a son of a Detroit public school, a retired public school teacher, and living in this city for 55 years, I've never had a gun. My mother never let us even have guns, but if we played with kids that had guns, don't point them, even the play guns, don't point those at me, don't ever... Uh, when she found out that the cop across the street had a gun on the refrigerator, we, she wouldn't let us go over there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, guns are not the answer. We have been taught or educated by a sect of this society that you can't live without them. Uh, you only die with them. Mm-hmm. It's just outrageous. and. I have to agree with the other person. You know, the three-year-old. How about the person who was shot on i nInety four and seventy five last night? Mm-hmm. It's just every day. Guns, it happens a guns, lot in guns, this community. And they're yeah. not solutions; they're killers. Okay, John.
0: On the east side, thank you very much uh, for the call and the comments. Okay, Amani Harris, a senior at Renaissance High School, student activist and intern here at WDET. Thank you for being with us on thank Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lily Collin, uh, Jr. at North Farmington High School and president of the Farmington Public School Students Demand Action Group. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today.
2: Thank you so much.
0: That's going to do it for us today. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan, And our associate producer is Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's sam bobian remember if you missed any of today's show you don't have to miss out you can hear it and all other past editions of detroit today on the detroit today podcast go to itunes or wherever you download podcasts download and subscribe to detroit today take us with you and listen when you are ready this is 1019 wdet detroit's public radio station the community service of wayne state university see you tomorrow